Hello, my friends, and welcome to Backable. This week, Tim and Nigel sit down to ask the question, should you be making profit in your business? And the answer isn't as straightforward as you might think. We discuss the difference between being self-employed and owning a business and scale strategies for both. Finding the balance between available cash flow and investment capital and setting an acceptable and achievable self-investment strategy to ensure you get paid appropriately along the way. talk about something that's a little bit counterintuitive that we came across this week. Not that we don't know it, but more that it, it came up and it was surprising of a surprising discussion. Let me say, Nigel, <laughs> a surprising discussion and not from the point of view of the person um, who was having the discussion, but something that um, with a little bit more thought was having, a, it was having a think about, well, this is probably nothing that's spoken about. So, let me not, um, let me not make it too confusing and explain what the hell I'm talking about. Um, should you be aiming to make profit if you've got a business under, let's call it two and a half million in turnover? Gut feel says yes. Yeah, and listen, I know you're trying to find a site because you'll sound like an idiot if it is. The, ob- <laughs> the obvious answer is yes. But what do you think, Nigel? Uh, I would say, let's, let's not say what I think. I would think that every book um, and everything is always driving towards profit. So you should be looking to make as much profit as you can, grind, hustle, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, which is generally the school of thought, yeah. which is I start a business and my objective of the business is to make profit. Now, let's just nip this in the bud now. I get it. There is more to business than making profit. There's employing people, there's contributing to the economy, there's giving back to your communities, all these things. The fact that we're listening to this backable is that's part of running a good business. But the fact of the matter is when you start a business, you're looking to make profit. So when we talk about it here, let's just put this out of the side. Don't need it in the comments. I understand totally. And for those who don't know, our business is literally called Philodomo, which means we have an obligation to help others less fortunate than us. So I get it. However, we need to talk about what's the general feel or what's the general knowledge of when people start out in a business or we call it an SME. So let's just, for the sake of this being under two and a half million turnover, just for the sake of the discussion. So still a very small business. But you know, when you're getting onto that sort of top end of one and a half, two million, two and a half million dollars, there's still enough size to it to be a real business without disrespecting smaller businesses are in that part. Most people who start a business or are new to business, they are told that the objective of the business is to make profit. So they go and speak to their accountants and they say, this is my numbers, this is what I'm doing. They go, great, you're going to need to do this in order to make this much profit. And the accountant basically, and it's funny enough, it's just jogged my memory, accountants basically say, At the end of the year, you made this much money. Well, great. And this is, so what? And- <laughs> What the account's looking for is profit because their job is to tell you how much money you made. Mm. But if you're someone who's growing a business or deciding to grow a business, and let's just quickly cover what a business is versus being um, self-employed or, um, uh, or let's just say like a freelancer. I like to say self-employed versus a business owner. But if you're a freelancer, you're essentially self-employed. And what's the distinction? The distinction is If you're in a business that you own, but you're self-employed, which means that a majority of the work that comes in, you're actually facilitating and you have no plans to 
not do that. So you get work in, you do the work. And you get another client, you do the work. You get another client, you do the work. So that's just a freelancer. Now, there's been a little bit of, I think, um, um, let me just say a little bit of disrespect to freelancers because a lot of business owners or in quotation marks entrepreneurs say, why would you be a freelancer? And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not guilty of it because I have great respect. The issue I have with freelancers is own it. Yep. Own that you're a freelancer and be a great freelancer that works themselves up the value chain where you can find a whole bunch of really high paying clients and you can freelance to them and get both challenging work, interesting work, and paid well. Because you can still make a crap ton of money being a freelancer. And this is where I think a lot of smaller freelancers get it wrong. They're trying to build businesses, but actually what they really want to be is just freelancers. But they just haven't built the client base or doing the work that they want to do to enjoy being a freelancer. And it's really difficult, but it's like building any type of company. Yeah, i got friends that are... They've nailed freelancing. They're photographers. Yep. So uh, high-end wedding photographers. They've chosen a lifestyle that they want. They spend six months here in Australia in wedding season photographing beautiful places all around and beautiful people. Then they go to Europe for six months every year. That's how they fund backwards and forwards. The business is highly dependent on them, but they love what they do. Absolutely. And um, you know, obviously, I know them as well. Not as well as you, but they're um, not only great business people in terms of they've nailed the freelancing lifestyle, but they're lovely as well. So with their permission, we might have to put a link up because they do some really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll make sure we get um, their permission. However, what we need to, do, uh, to dissect is when someone starts out in a business, generally if you're self-funded in a smaller business that hasn't had experience, you start as a freelancer mm-hmm. and you're doing your craft and selling it to someone, generally friends, family, in a circle, whatever it is, and then you grow from that. Some people just keep growing as a freelancer and they build better customers, they build specializations, they build a reputation, and you can do really well as a freelancer. And let's look at that as a business model. I've only got a limited amount of time as a freelancer. So say, let's say it's eight hours a day, just we're using generic numbers. So I'm a freelancer with eight hours a day. In 10 years' time, I'm still a freelancer with eight hours a day. So What's the only way in which I can make more money? Work more hours. That's that's such the Nigel thing. (laughs) No, Nigel, we don't want to work more hours because that ties you out. But I love you for that response. (laughs) But what's the only other way if you have eight hours and eight hours and you want to double your wage? Increase prices. Double your prices. So what freelancers have to do if they want to earn more as a freelancer and not grow their business or get more people on board or build support systems is I need to find higher paying clients or ones that I can charge more that appreciate who I am and want to keep working with. So the whole idea of your journey as a freelancer is to how do I filter through a whole bunch of clients until I find ones I love working with and then work with that type of client and then with that type of client, they will tell other type of like-minded clients and you're going to have a really good stable of people that use you for a particular, um, say, a particular niche or a particular job and you see it a lot. If you're a freelancer that keeps doing the same thing, you're going to struggle because you've only got that eight hours and you don't have anything more you can leverage and if you don't constantly find ways to 
add more value or charge more or find a different client base that can afford to pay more or that appreciate your skill more. Freelancing is a very difficult um, thing to get traction in because you, you basically are the same price commodity for your whole life. So it's a dangerous game if you've got ambition to make a lot more money because some people are happy if they're just busy. So don't get me wrong. I don't have any disrespect if you're a good freelancer that's getting enough work. Great. And there are a number of professions that where that they don't use the term freelancer, but they pay well. Like consultancy falls into that freelancer. That is a freelancer. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't tell, like that's not their choice of words, but they, people can make a good living as a consultant. They can. Yeah. They can. But what, what you find is, and because we hire a lot of these type of people, we get a lot of senior people that leave corporate jobs and try and be a consultant and realize they're um, basically freelancers and they have to find their own work and they have to work with different types of clients and they still have to build up their reputation. It's a very difficult job if you're not ready for that. So as a freelancer, your job is to build more value into what you do. Now, as I said, you can make a hell of a lot of money being a great freelancer. You can find clients that are paying you for a premium. So particularly in the creative endeavors like Nigel's talking about, you might have a style, you might have a reputation, you might have done a body of work that people want to replicate. Um, you know, when I had a, a fashion label, I, I didn't know anything about photographers, but I sought out someone whose campaign I really liked and got them to do my shoot. And I knew nothing, but it's because I wanted that look or that feel and I love their type of work. Well, then they're a freelancer and I sought them out. So they were a good freelancer and they could charge accordingly. Where freelancers can then take the small jump, which is I don't actually want to run a business that I'm going to be able to sell as an asset. So what they do is they might build teams, small teams around them. It might be one or two people in a studio. Someone might be the full admin or customer service or account management. They might have an assistant if they're sort of you know in creative arts where a photographer might have a photography assistant, someone who's aspiring to work. So basically, you build this little um, super team around you so you can do more. So if you can imagine, I've only got eight hours and if it's just me, I can do a certain amount of money, uh, sorry, a certain amount of time and also for a certain amount of money. If I can get some more efficiencies by outsourcing some of the tasks behind the scenes and I only do my craft, I might be able to do more of that as well as charge more because it's a more professional outfit. And trades, the small trade companies fall into this, like plumbers who's, ooh, I see it a lot, their wife or partner is doing the admin. They've got one or two- yeah. Uh, subbies or not subbies, um, apprentices working yeah. for them. That's still a technical, like, it's not technically a freelancer, but it's still highly dependent on them. Well, it is. And we're using um, the word freelancer because I think it finds it a bit, people are more interested and can Broad. relate to it. Yeah. Whereas I look at it as they're self employed. Yeah. So a self employed person is not really looking to grow a business. They're in a business, they've started a business, but their whole objective isn't to build an asset that they can one day sell or to replace themselves in that that asset keeps to grow them, keeps growing on its own. So that's when we jump over to, okay, well, what's then a business owner or someone who's looking to build a business? And the idea of a business is to service a type of client and build a company that can service more clients and continue to build and grow. And the objective of that company is to grow and keep servicing. But the person who owns that company, their focus is on building the business, not just making more money. They want to make more money by building an asset that they can then leverage. And it's harder to do that. No, I shouldn't say it's harder. It's different to do that. 
because still challenges being self-employed and there's still ways you can do really well. But building a business is where where should I be putting my focus and at what stage? So if you can imagine yourself as a subcontractor, if you have a really good year, what are you doing with that? And a lot of subcontractors will go, well, I'm just taking that money out. So if you got to a certain level of maturity, I had a good year, I made $150,000. I had a great year, I made $300,000. But every year, they're basically having a year between 150 and 300 if you establish good freelance or whatever it is. I'm just using arbitrary numbers because some freelancers make a million dollars a job. Yeah. So, <laughs> so don't, if you're there as a freelancer, go, what? I'm not even close to that or what? I make a lot more than that. I don't care. This is the point. But as a business owner, when you start making money, you have to make different decisions because the, the objective of the business is to grow an asset that grows itself. So how do you spend your profit? Because if you're someone who's chosen to grow a business, so what do you do with net profit? And the question is, should you be making profit? Now, that's a little bit of a tricky question. I worded it that way because I want it to be a little bit cryptic. But think about this. If you get to the end of the year and you're a business owner, should you have made profit if you're still growing your company? And the answer most business owners will give you is yes. Yes, I should because I need money. So how do you then work out how much you should be paid? So imagine you're going from half a million dollars in turnover to 1.5 million. You're in that growth phase. What is your wage? How are you being remunerated for your work? Do you need to be remunerated for your work? And a lot of people who are new to business don't think about this. So they don't actually work out, what am I supposed to do as the owner during a growth phase? So if I'm building a business, which we are, many, for me it's a little bit different because I'm not a paid employee in these companies. We're building assets. But if you're there and you have to take a wage from your business, well, what are you basing that wage on? And what are you setting it at? Because the point of building a business is how much money can I keep putting back into the business for a prolonged period of time so I can start getting assets in place? And assets might be people, infrastructure, um, whatever components you need to grow your company. Stock might be one of them if you're growing something that requires stock. What are you doing in terms of or how do you approach how much I should be investing in the business. Because if you get to the end of the year and go, yay, I'm a $700,000 turnover business and I made $70,000. Well, are you paying tax on that? Yep. So why haven't you invested that back in the business? People go, well, what do you mean? Well, if you're growing a business, you've just, say, paid in Australia, give or take, that's called 30% company tax. So out of your 70000 even if you've got a really crap account, you're paying 30%. There's 21,000 that's going to tax, for instance. Should you have not invested that business in the, uh, invested some of those funds in the financial year to grow your business? Because what's the point in then having that money where you're paying tax? Now, the challenge is we always have to have some cash on hand because for the ups and downs of any company, we need to make sure that we've got enough cash flow. And this is where the danger sort of comes in for a business owner is is getting your head around that you most likely won't be making profits for a while. If you've got ambition to grow a company, you're going to have to invest money back into the business. Because you're self-funding it, you're going to need to work out 
how much profit am I actually going to make and how much should I be investing and what should I be investing in before I get to that point? Because if you go to your accountant, which you know, most people trust me, I'm a little bit wary of accounts because I think they give poor advice out of context because most little businesses only see their accountant once or twice a year. So the accountant got to look like he's got some value, so he gives opinions. But I've had absolute arguments with accountants sitting there going, why would you say that that's a bad year? And they go, well, they only made this much profit and they're this much turnover. I go, yeah, but we're self-investing in all these attributes to build a company. And they're like, oh, well, that's different. I go, exactly. That's why you're a one-person accountant and this person's building a company because they're actually a freelancer and they think they're business owners. So accountants are, are, are notorious with this. They think smaller accounts, I should say, there are some brilliant accounts and people have different practices. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, I love my accountant too. But what I want you to understand as a business owner is a lot of the advice early on is from people who you're asking a self-employed person, you're a one-person accountant out in the suburbs to give advice to you on you growing a business. They don't own a business. They think they own a business because they've never gone through, I'm growing a business because they've been a one or two person shop for 20 years. That's not a business. That's self-employed. So even though they understand the numbers, they're not going to understand your plans. And that's okay. It's not their job. Their job is to maximize your tax and keep you compliant, whatever you're paying them for. And if you've got accounts that are doing cash flows and things like that, well, that's a little bit different. But you need to understand as the owner, what should I be actually making? Because if you don't have those goals or a strategy around reinvestment in your business, the hard bit is when you actually start to make some money, it's very difficult to invest it back in. Seeing if you, if you look at yourself and go, oh, I should be in the open market, I should be making this much wage, but you've been taking, say, 50% of that to grow your business in the early stages because you needed that free cash flow to pay for things, to fund different things in the business, to support the ups and downs of being in, company, in a company. You look outside and you say, well, that's what I should be getting paid and that's what I'm worth, but you've never been paid that. So you might find your, <laughs> yourself in, in many times in a business where you're the lowest paid person, yet you're the owner for a period of time. And you have to actually work out whether you can deal with that. And it's not necessarily how you have to do it. I'm just saying there's an aggression in the way you need to grow your business. And for me personally, I always looked at how do I pay people to do jobs I don't want to do or that could enhance the company faster than I could. So I expect people to be smarter than me in the area in which they're at. And I'm always challenging myself to make sure I challenge them that I'll know more than them in their position. That's not healthy, by the way. I wouldn't recommend. I'm just telling you how it is for me. But they're some of the things you have to reconcile in your mind when you run a business or you're, you're doing a project that you're investing in is how much are you going to take out and when are you going to take it out? So I have some friends at the moment that are going through a transition between corporate life and running their own company. And the questions which are common are, what's the difference in earning potential? So how, how long do you think it's going to take me to replace my wage? And you try and help your friends, you try and share experiences and you, you share advice. But the hard bit is actually, I can't answer that because I don't know if you're trying to be self-employed, freelancer, or you want to grow a company. If you want to be someone who's a freelancer and self-employed, well, that's great. That's how, how fast can you get a few clients to replace the wage? It's an easy equation. If you want to build a company, 
It's how much time, energy, effort, and capital you're willing to risk to fast track what you want to do. But for smaller companies, and we said sub 1.5 mil type revenue, you have to work out at what point do you kick in your wage. So you might have a wage and at different revenue or profit levels, you start upping your wage to a point where you're capped. This is the way I like to run it. I like to cap my wage at a certain point. And then I like to take bonuses based on the performance of the company as it gets better. Because you can remember, I'm also building the asset. But smaller businesses have to be a little bit careful. You can't put all your eggs in one basket for the asset sale because not a lot of businesses sell, particularly in smaller ones. So if you're going through a period right now where you plan to sell your business now and we've hit something like COVID-19, your business value might be half. It's too dangerous. So on the, on the journey, you still need to take money out of the business through profit share, through whatever it is, but not at the cost of slowing the growth of the business or having enough cash flow. But these are a lot of the things that aren't spoken about early on when you're running a business, which just go out there make some money and put some in your pocket and do it again the next year. But if you're someone who wants to build an asset, you have to be thinking about your investment strategy or your self-investment strategy. And that is something that is so crucial because growth costs money. And the reason it costs money is not only to fuel the things you need to buy, but you actually have to throw away some money on experiments. You're not throwing away money and wasting money on experiments that are for the, the possibilities of opening up a whole range of things for your business. Well, you're probably not innovating fast enough. Like you do throw away a lot of money. I mean, Nigel, you see it here. I know you shake your head because I'm always in with, yeah, I just got this, got this, we built this, we bought this. And not that you shake your head in a wrong way, you more laugh, but because we have to do things. No, and that's the reason why we're sitting in a room full of recording equipment putting this out. You have a pool of money that you go, this is something we're going to use to try and grow in a different area. If you didn't do that, we'd still be talking, because I remember talking to you yep. about podcasting and stuff like that four years ago, and I was adamant that it was the way to go. Yep. I could never make that happen. Yeah, because I didn't have cash reserves or anything like that to go. Hey, I'm going to experiment yeah, on this. Do you know what? And you were right, by the way. <laughs> for the record, you were, no, but you were. Uh, we were way too late. Um, doesn't mean uh, if we were doing this for a commercial return. Yep, it, it wouldn't be worth it for for us right now in terms yep. of if this we had to make it <laughs> make it make money. But you were right, and that's the problem. Is is four years ago it would have been a much better position to spend that money. But also, it wasn't a priority then to invest that type of money for the maturity of our business. Yeah. And the other side of it is if it was reliant on me, I would probably still be going, we should be doing one. <laughs> Being able for, but having, and that's why you're in the position you are. And I'm what I do, what I do. I go, this is what I think. And you go, well, now that thinking works and you put the investment strategy behind and go, yeah, let's put that down to do it. Yeah, totally. And, and, but I mean, that's not a, a good or bad. It's the, that's why we play the roles that we need to play. And that's, but for, for someone who's in business at the, the moment, and if you're new to business and you're sort of just sort of um, cutting your teeth a little bit on what am I supposed to do? I think the thing to consider first, which is I mucked up during my 20s, is I basically tried to pay myself nothing. So everyone, I had the same advice. You know, you've got to pay yourself first. You've got to reinvest in your business and all that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do it better than everyone. I'm just going to pay myself basically nothing for as long as I can. I'm just going to invest in my business. I didn't really have a life. So all I'm going to be is at my business. So I really only need food. I need to be able to sleep and 
I'm good. But the problem was I didn't have a plan to it. So even as the business got bigger, I wasn't getting myself out of making no money because I had to earn money. It was my primary thing I was doing. But I didn't actually plan it out for this is the strategy and these are the trigger points in which I'll start to earn more. And the problem is, is you can sustain not earning a lot for a period of time. And I'm talking about the bare minimum food, um, shelter type stuff. But you have to start seeing some progression. So if I was in my position again, I would have those benchmarks of revenue levels of once my company hits because I could triple my company, but it didn't change anything for me personally. And it wasn't enough to be able to take a holiday or do this or have an extra bit of fun. Or I was always thinking about money anytime I was outside my business. And that's not a positive thing for someone growing a business in high risk, which we all are in the early stages, is what do I need to earn and what are the trigger points for me to then take that wage and actually start upping it in a systematic way as the business grows until a point where you cap your wage. And I like to cap my wage at basically my equivalent market value and not your inflated market value because yes, you're priceless. Yes, no one could have you. Yes, you're in unbelievable, blah, blah, blah. We've, yep, everyone's the same. But you need to give what could you put an ad out and recruit someone to do your job? And if your job is, but I do five different jobs, great, you got a problem in the business. You're not a business that's sellable at the moment, so don't sit up there being proud of it, fix it. That's a problem with your business model. Or you're early on in your business and you need to change that. And that's okay. You do have to play different hats at times, but it's not something to be proud or boastful about. It's something to fix quickly so you build an asset. Because on some level, you're just filling a gap of what you can't afford to bring in. Yeah. And so understanding that from a profit finding point of view is your business may not make profit for the first couple of million dollars in revenue. And frankly, I, I don't, it's not for everyone, so don't take this as a rule of thumb, but I wouldn't understand why you would. Yes, you can pay yourself a few bonuses here or there, but if you want to grow a company and you're getting through the revenue levels, shouldn't you be investing the free cash into different things to see if you can go from two to 20 million? And these are the things you have to start working out as a business owner is, what is my self-investment strategy? What is my personal remuneration strategy? And how over, if we look at 10 years, at what point do I get paid and what do I need to do to make sure I get paid? Because if you start with that, it makes all the decisions going down, which is, oh, we finally got some free cash flow. Oh, I got to spend it on this. You don't feel like that. You're like, no, that's what the plan was. That's the journey where often I know why I'm doing it because I need to get to this point so I can now take my wage here and, and keep going and so on and so forth. But I just wanted to talk about this because I think it's a really um, important thing. I certainly stuffed it up in my 20s. I really stuffed it up. It set me back 10, 15 years in terms of personal wealth creation. But you know, it's good. You can catch up. Don't worry. It's not the end of the day <laughs> if you're sitting there also and you've wasted 20 years going, do you know what? You're right, Tim. I should have put more into my business. It's first of all, just making sure, am I self-employed slash freelancer or am I building an asset? Am I building a company? If you're building a company, then you need to plan these things out so you don't go mad in the journey that you understand when you can pay yourself more, when the financials work, and then eventually have your wage paying you an amount that you could replace your wage with someone else in the business and you could live off the uh, remuneration the business is creating, which is the profits or, what it, or the sale of the company. But the journey is a lot easier and what we have to do is ignore people who don't understand that journey. So even the accountant, you've got to ask the question, 
does this accountant understand what I'm trying to build? Because there's nothing better than sitting with your accountant and saying something and go, so how would you build the company then if you were um, not self-investing? They go, oh, well, um, uh, well, I guess you'd have to you know, put some, get some money from somewhere. I go, don't need to. I'm doing it myself. And so I just want to make sure that you're confident with the journey you're on because as soon as you understand it, you know it, you acknowledge it, you'll find it a lot easier to operate and you won't feel crap when you go through every year and go, oh, I still haven't made any profit. It's not about not having a viable business model because that's important that you could have made profit. It's about at the end of the year if you see that you've invested in four or five things that you need to or experiments or things that are going to change the business when they come off. That is self-investment. That's not making profit. And for the first couple of million bucks, particularly, you have to do a lot of that because we're still trying to find market fit, the right customer, where we both, where we best fit, how we can accelerate. We need to bring in new people. We need to, you know, stuff up, bring in the wrong people. All the things that the journeys we have to go through in our first few businesses. But you need to understand that journey because as soon as you come to peace with this is what the journey is going to look like, you'll find it a lot easier too continue to self-invest and continue to work out where the money should be spent in order to accelerate faster. Because once you've got that and then you've got a business that's doing some decent revenue, you'll be able to already look at the experiments that have worked and then heavily invest in the things that are working and start to get that scale, which is starts to become the fun bit. But I just thought from a conversation this week, Nigel, it's, um, it's a really interesting topic because I think um, you should be very proud if you're a freelancer slash self-employed, but you shouldn't be under a delusion that you're a business owner. You may legally have an entity, but what you are is someone who's going to work for the next how many years being a self-employed person. Find more clients, do the work. Find more clients, do the work. Up your prices, do the work. Up your prices, maybe get a small team. Business owner, self-invest. Keep investing, trying new things, building building a company, building an asset, building something that grows on itself. It's a big difference. It's a different game. And just knowing what you're creating and being absolutely sure on that means you can actually celebrate the things that you win in in that area because there's a different set of wins for a self-employed person as to a business person. But if you're winning as a self-employed person and comparing yourself to a business, it can feel like a failure, if that makes sense. Absolutely, because you can say, we feel like we've done so much more work and all we have done is increase our team size by five amazing people. You're like, but next year with five amazing people that are in income generating positions, you could quadruple the size of this business. That's not going to happen with a self-employed person. Not that they can't build a team and up their prices. Don't get me wrong. This is, I don't want to shame self-employed or freelancers. I've got the utmost respect for people who can carve out that type of life for themselves. They're happy doing the work. They're happy dealing with their customers and they're making good money. All power to you. But for those of us who want to build companies and build businesses that are going to grow on their own and that are going to be an asset that can grow on its own, well, it's a little bit of a different game and you have to understand the journey you're on. So when you get to the different points where it's difficult, you have to make decisions or it feels it feels like it's a hard decision. It's actually not because you've already in your mind made the decision that this is what you're doing. So the investment becomes very easy. In fact, you welcome it because you know it is your pathway to success. So I think something well worth thinking about um, if you're in the car or listening to this at home. Um, best of luck with it. It's a good one. And once you once you reconcile with it, it's um, it becomes a hell of a lot easier just to get up every day and keep going.
Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for listening. And of course, if you head on over to backable.ai, you can access all the downloadables we've put together. Now, if you want to stay up to date with all things Backable and Philodomo, then make sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on one or all of the platforms you can find in the show description below. As always, if you have enjoyed this week's podcast, please don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review. That's all from us for now. Have a great week and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye.